0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Welcome to the triple threat podcast. I'm your boy, DJ Shockley, your usual host here every single week. When we talk ball, we talk sports, we talk culture, we talk a little bit of everything on the Triple Threat Podcast, and today is no different. On the show today, we got my man, Jesse the Hammer Tuggle. You don't remember my man, Jesse the Hammer Tuggle, played for the Falcons, pro bowler, Hall of Famer in the Ring of Honor with the Atlanta Falcons. This dude has done many things, so we're gonna discuss all his career. He's got some kids that's playing in the National Football League. I mean, this dude is doing some really big things, so can't wait to sit down and talk to my man, Jesse Tuggle. Let's jump around the Sports League for a little bit and see what's going on around the world. And let's start in the NBA as we get NBA basketball tonight. I'm looking forward to some basketball happening tonight. I'm going to watch some myself. We got two teams with some star power, obviously. We got the Pelicans taking on the Utah Jazz. We know the Jazz are right now in the fourth spot right now. The Pelicans are on the outside. We're on the 10th spot, but... Zion's back. He's back from quarantine. He got two days of practicing. So they're looking forward to seeing Zion on the court. And then in the marquee matchup, you got the Clippers and the Lakers, the top two in the West, LeBron, Kawhi. You got all the big-time names in there. But one name, one guy you won't see is a guy from my neck of the woods, who I know pretty well, my man Lou Williams. A lot of talk this week about Lou being quarantined for 10 days because he decided to go get some wings from a establishment here in Atlanta that a lot of people know. Scott, have you ever been to this establishment called Magic City? <laughs> I have
1: not. And if I had, I probably <laughs>
0: wouldn't admit it.
1: Uh, come on, man. Nothing
0: wrong. They, have to, they got good food. there. I've been there a couple times here and there. Way it back, way back, a long time ago, long time ago.
1: It must be good food.
0: <laughs> so they won't have Lou Williams, who has been a 6 man for a long time, and... The NBA puts up tons of points, so they'll miss him in the first two games of this uh, season. But uh, the Clippers and Lakers looking forward to watching those games tonight. And other news, Zion, how do you feel about Zion being back and watching him play? Obviously, he had to be quarantined for a little bit, but he's going to be back playing. You expect Zion to jump
1: back in and be who we think he is, a big-time star in his league. Yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, when he came, when he came back from injury uh, last year, he uh, it looked like he was in mid-season form, and he, uh, I don't remember how many points he scored, but it was over 20, I believe, and he was just, yeah, he was Zion. So he is, uh, that's somebody that, that is, I think he's going to be exciting as long as he stays healthy. Um, he, he's, he's dynamic, he's athletic, he. You know, for a dude, his, he, he looks almost like Charles Barkley did back in the day, but he but he, <laughs> yeah. but, he ju- but he jumps like, you know, MJ, you know? Yeah. And for all the people who don't
0: know, that's my man, Scotty D, who's always here with me every week uh, to give his opinions about everything that's going on. I love to, to bust his chops here and there. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Zion, too, man. That's a big dude who can run, who can jump. And mm. uh, hopefully he he stays healthy during his time. And that's one of the things that I'm worried about during this little – you know, game of stretch that they have going on is how many guys will stay healthy. Because you're talking about guys, they get these little tune-up games, but when the real games come, it's going to be amplified because you got about eight to ten games and you're going to get into the playoffs. How many guys have hamstrings? How many guys have quads? How many guys have ankles? I mean, all those little things you think about are cautious things that I know these players are worried about. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens to these guys and if these guys can stay healthy. In the game tonight, the Jazz and the Pels have decided they will kneel during the anthem in solidarity around the Black Lives Matter floor lettering. And NBA Commissioner Adam Silver says, I respect peaceful protest. So you can see some of the NFL guys using their platform already to show uh, how they feel about things that are going on in our world and the injustice that are go around the country. So big games tonight. Looking forward to that, Scotty. Who you got tonight? Jazz, Pelts, Lakers, Clippers.
1: I'm gonna go with. I think that the. Uh, I'm gonna say that the Pelicans are gonna come out and turn some heads. They're gonna okay. take care. Of, they're gonna take care of the Jazz. And then
0: right.
1: I, I can't until I until they dethrone them. Well, I shouldn't say dethrone them, but I gotta go with the Lakers. I can't bet against LeBron and AD. You know. Like show, Hey,
0: you forget, man. Yeah, they got LeBron, they got AD, but they got J.I. Smith back, too. J.I. Smith, the long assassin who always he's been – as long as he with LeBron, man, he's been good. So, man, I can't wait to see my man G.I. Smith get back. All right, let's jump into another league, the National Football League, where mm-hmm. there's so many things going on in the National Football League this week, actually. Training camp opens up. A lot of teams got back to camp on Tuesday. And testing started for a lot of these teams on Tuesday. And the biggest news this week is tons of players are opting out. Now, there was a new agreement that came out on Monday. They give all these players a whole week to declare if they're going to opt out or they're going to play. And right now, the Patriots are a team that have at least six, seven players who are opting out right now. The most notable guys is Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower. So there are a bunch of guys who are opting out. Other names that are being – that are opting out. Marquise Goodwin, wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. Stephen Guidry, wide receiver for the Cowboys. Edward Funches, wide receiver for Green Bay. George Mack, linebacker for for the Panthers. And going back to Patrick Chung, Dante Howard, and the Patriots, there were a lot of discussion about why these guys are opting out and some of these guys are playing and a lot of these guys, it has a lot to do with the financials for a lot of these guys. Now, here's something that may, a lot of people may not know, but if you are not at high risk and you opt out, you only get $150,000, but the caveat is the season is not. A, so that means you won't get a count counted for that particular season and it has to just move on. But if you do, decide to opt out, and you are at high risk, you get $350,000, and that season gets accrued for the next year, and you get counted for it. So an example of that is Marcus Cannon, offensive of tackle of for of the New England Patriots. He opted out for this season. Now, he will get the $350,000. he will get the accrued season. But the biggest thing is he is at high risk because when he was drafted back in 2011, he was diagnosed with hodgkin lymphoma. And he is a cancer survivor, so he is one guy who is at high risk and you can understand it. Now, Scotty, D, I I can understand these guys, and I can respect mm-hmm. these guys' decision simply because they're not thinking about this is all about me. They're not being selfish. They're thinking about this is something that will affect maybe my family, it affect people around me. I saw earlier this week some of the, uh, the McCourty twins talking about hey, I'm not worried about guys at the facility. I'm concerned when they leave the facility, right. where are they going? Who are they around? That's the yep. biggest thing. What, what is your thoughts on some of these guys opting out? Do you like it? You don't like it? What are your feelings on it?
1: Well, I, I, it's, it's totally, to me, it's totally their call. And if they're doing it for health reasons, you, you, have, to, you have to respect that. There are people that, I'm sh- you know, there are guys, I'm sure, there are guys with uh, young kids at home. There are guys with pregnant wives at home. And they don't want to bring it back. And it's exactly right. You don't want your guys going to get wings at Magic City when you're, you know, when when they're not at at your house um, or right. at the right. facility. So I totally respect that. I'll be honest with you. Though, I'm surprised it's when I read the list of people. To me, there's there's Chung and Hightower. Those are the headliners, and there's a handful of names who I recognize. But then there's a bunch of people I don't know. And what's right. interesting to me is I would think that there would be more veterans, more. Big dollar guys, more secure guys, uh, financial secure guys. Um, you know, I don't know all of these people, all of these players' contract situation, but I would have thought that it would, it, you know, guys, maybe guys that that playing for a spot, so to speak, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. if you're, because I, you, I hear athletes talk about it all the time, where if you are not there, that's an opportunity for somebody else to take your spot, right? Right, so, right, um, right, so and that's I'm the big thing.
0: Uh huh. That's that's the big thing because I I try to put myself on that spot of if I was playing on this time, what would be Mm -hmm. some of the things that I thought about? And it would be that I had a young kid at home, like Dante who was a young baby was just born, you know, where has my family been? Am I, will I affect them? All that kind of stuff matters. But then there's also what you just talked about is this may be my only shot to make a ball club. This may be my only shot to play in the national football league for a lot of guys. This is the only opportunity you get to be in a training camp. So you're trying to heed that opportunity to be there. So that's a big part of a lot of these guys' decision. And like you mentioned, some of these guys are secure. Some of these guys have made millions of dollars. So sitting out one year probably won't hurt it. But you know what? It's only Thursday. And then we have all these guys who've already opted out. Who knows what happens over the weekend, leading into next Monday, how many guys uh, actually opt out for this 2020 season. Other right. big news around the National Football League, Joey Bosa signs a massive deal. Five-year, $135 million for Joey Bosa going into his pocket. You remember back in 2016, his rookie year, he kind of held out. And, you know, he was late to camp. But this guy has came in, and now he's been a significant player for the, the Chargers. And you couple that with $14.3 million he's supposed to make in 2020. This year is a six-year deal worth 24.8 mil per year. And when you think about how that matches up to some of the guys around the league, we just saw Miles Garrett get paid a few weeks ago. He's already topped that by two mil. Khalil Mack, he's topped that deal, who's making 23 mil a year. And Aaron Donald, who's making 22.5 mil a year. So he's definitely topped those guys. You're talking about $78 million in guaranteed money and $102 million total guarantees over this contract. I mean, that's a lot of money. I know he's living out there on the West Coast. He may need all that money, but that's a lot of money for a defensive end. 40 career sacks in 51 games. He's a pro bowler in four years, and he's missed 13 games over those four years. But he's also got another dude on the other side of him, in Mel- Melvin Ingram, who helps him get those sacks. So mm-hmm. it's a win. I think it's a win-win for the Chargers. They get – one of their best pass rushers back, uh, his highest sack total for a year, 12 and a half. So Joey Bosa has been one of those type of guys he has been a bit of threat. He gets around the edge, plays a run really hard. He's a high-motor guy. Uh, what do you think about his new deal that Joey Bosa just got? Is it well-deserved, or did they kind of break the bank? Yeah,
1: it's well-deserved. But I, you, covered, you covered the contract. I want to ask your opinion. What's Aaron Donald thinking right now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Aaron Donald's happy, man. He ain't worried at all. Cause here's the thing. Aaron Donald plays inside and he is still making just as much money as this good, guy good point, good point. on the outside. So Aaron good Donald point. ain't worried.
1: Well, I'm just saying Aaron he's got Donald. the same he's got the same real estate issues as, as uh Joy Bosa so.
0: <laughs> True, true. they out there on that west coast where the, the price of living is a little bit higher than everybody else.
1: Uh last
0: bit of news real quick. We heard Patrick Mahomes get $500 million in his contract, and we just found out this dude
1: has bought a piece of
0: the Royals. Is that big boy balling or what, Scotty? That's a
1: baller move. I love it. That's so, cool. <laughs> so cool, man, to see something like that. I really like that, that guy, you know. Um, and and it's, probably <laughs> a, it's probably just such a, a, a sweet icing on the cake of everything that's happened to him in the last 12 months specifically. But for, you know, his dad played baseball for many years. Uh, he grew up going around those clubhouses and stuff. And uh, what a, what a cool story! And it's in a it's in a smaller market in Kansas City, so they're they're, yeah. you know, I, I think it's cool to establish a, a, a for Mahomes to establish. He's taking plant he's planting his roots there, and I think that's really cool.
0: And what's great, I mean, what the good thing about it is these days is players are not just players. They're trying to be businessmen. They're trying to mm-hmm. make sure their future is fully secure and they're going to have that residual income for a long time. So, yeah, big props to, to Mahomes for getting into the, uh, the ownership role and mm-hmm. having a piece of the Kansas City Royals. Major League Baseball. Scotty, I know this is near and dear to you. I know mm-hmm. there's a lot going on, and it all starts down in Miami. Well, they've had 17 players who staff test positive, and now they're going to daily testing now. Um, They just had a series with the Phillies where things did not go well. So the Marlins will be off all the way until Monday. The Phillies Phillies will be off till Friday. But they affect so many other teams Mm -hmm. with what happened in that series. What is your take on – does baseball need a bubble? The, the Marlins, are they a lot to blame for this? I mean, where do you go with what's happening now in Major League Baseball? And will we have a 60-game season?
1: I don't know. Um, <laughs> based on what we've seen so far, it, I find it hard to believe. I'm really hopeful. But um, if, if, if three days into the season, it's already this messed up. Um yeah. You know, I, I I don't I don't know how it's going to work, but I don't know if you can do a bubble with teams this size. Um, I don't know. That's what it seems like to me. It seems like in baseball and football, there's too many people involved. Um, but it, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch it all play out right now. There's there's there's, you know, a handful of teams that are affected by this. I don't know if that's worse or if it's worse being the Phillies who got beat by a team where half of them have COVID. You know, so they lost that series. Yeah. So I don't know which yeah. is worse, but if, if if the season doesn't happen, I'll, I'll, that'll, that'll stink. But,
0: yeah, that's it, a problem for a lot, it, people, a lot of people. Because a lot of people expected baseball to happen. And, you know, I'm still seeing dudes high-fiving guys. I'm seeing mm-hmm. dudes with half masks on in the dugout. I mean, it's hard, man. It's hard mm-hmm. to to follow the guidelines, especially in a sport where you got to run, you got to, you know, be active. So, yeah, I don't know how it's gonna last, man. We gotta see.
1: Oh, I hope it works out, but uh, okay. we'll see. Well, hey, uh, it's it's 2020,
0: no doubt. And here's here's some good news for Miami. Maybe uh, found out yesterday that two of passed his physical for the Dolphins and he's gonna be practicing and when training can resume with no limitations. So hey, maybe that's good. one piece of good news for Miami yeah. other than the baseball team that they could be uh, excited about. Uh, last but not least, college football. Ohio State came out and said they will have 20% of their fans in the stadium, uh, but no tailgating and obviously face match required. But I thought this was interesting. Texas and Texas A&M says they will have 50% capacity. And Texas A&M is a school I've been in before. They got over 100,000 people there. You talking about 50,000 people? That's, that's going to be a little tricky. So I wonder how that's going to all play out. Uh, when, you know, the season finally gets here, rolls around, and we get a chance to see some college football, that'll be interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. Scott, you know, every week I try to give you something. I throw you a little curveball. I try to trick you a little bit. I didn't even give you what it was today. You ready for this? (coughs) All right, here it is. So earlier this week, I saw a story, a video, of a guy going to pick up his wife or his girlfriend, whoever it was, and his mom was in the front seat, and the mom and the girlfriend slash wife, whoever it was, got into a little argument. So my question is to you, if you are going to pick up your wife, do you make your mom sit in the back seat, or does your wife get in the front seat?
1: Oh. Uh, I think oh. my mom I, I think my wife, out of respect, would sit would sit in the back seat and let my mom take the front seat. I mean, I don't. I don't see it being much. I don't see it being much to uh, much to discuss there. I think you know. Just like I, I, I would probably do it. So
0: if you had to make a decision, and you pulled up, and your mom's already in the front seat, and your wife is waiting on the curb, you're picking her up from somewhere to get something to eat. Do you say, "Hey, mom, get in the back seat," or no? <laughs> no.
1: No. But. I I just I my wife is uh is a hundred percent. She's uh she would do it, she would jump in the back seat and I wanna say happy birthday to her. Today's her birthday.
0: Oh, that's awesome, man. Happy birthday. That's awesome, man. Give me, give me another shout out. Sing to her or something, man. Oh Happy birthday. No, I ain't gonna do that for a minute. No? All, all right. right. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> all right, thank you all. But- all right, but for me, I don't think it would be much of an issue. My mom and my wife are both like kind of pass with it like my mom would actually get out like hey you sit in the front my wife would be like no you sit in the front so we might have both of them sitting in the back because they're so nice to <laughs> other. <doing>. so that's <laughs> you
1: probably be how my mom be would their
0: go. no doubt i will have no problem with that so all the news of sports that we just talked about whew, a lot of stuff going on around the country mm-hmm. in the world in the sports world but next i'm looking forward to talking to the hammer jesse Tuggle. And we're gonna get into some some
1: interesting things with my man, Jesse.
0: Now joining me is definitely a friend of the show, a friend of mine, a five-time pro bowler, the man, the myth, the legend from Griffin High School, my dude, Jesse the Hammer Tuggle, is joining us on the Triple Threat Podcast. Jesse, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, man.
2: I'm doing great, man. How you been, man?
0: I'm good, man. I'm good. I, you know, Obviously, we got some some different times going on in the world, but everybody's been kind of trapped in the house, and uh, it's been a little uneasy situations here. How have you and your family been during this uh, quarantine time, uh, in the Tuggle household?
2: You know what? Over the last few months, you know, during this quarantine, I think I did more chores around the house than I did in the last <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> so it seemed like we got a lot of time at home you know, to share with each other. And right. uh, things been good, though, you know. Things been good. i uh, worked in my backyard enough. i worked in the house enough. But always something on that honey-do list to do. You know what I mean? No doubt. So but, what, uh, what's but, the craziest thing? go
0: ahead what's the craziest thing you've done uh a part of the honey do list like i'm i'm rebuilding an entire deck right now what's the what's <laughs> what's the what's the craziest thing that uh your wife's got you doing around the house right now all
2: right the craziest thing i did during the during the whole quarantine thing was um regrout. Ooh. the um um the shower upstairs. Ooh. You know, shower stairs. you know, we've been in the house for 25 plus years. Right. And I've been putting it off and I was going to hire somebody to do it. And I'm like, you know what? I think I can do this myself. So it might have taken one day for a professional and it took me like four to five days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that because you, 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 exactly, you don't have to pay them to do it.
2: Exactly right. And the biggest thing is, is in that our bedroom, we sleep in, and no one else get to see it but us. But overall, I did a fair job, man. You know, it was uh, my wife, she she seemed to like it. It was an improvement <laughs> with what it looked like. And she goes, well, I guess for a rookie, it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of fun, though, man.
0: I don't think a lot of people would expect Jesse the Hammer, Tuggle, to be regrounded showers and all kind of stuff. <laughs> That's
2: what I'm trying to tell you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> getting, getting down and dirty. But I mean, what they expect? I mean play middle linebacker. So you always been kind of uh down-in-the-dirt-gritty type of guy, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that reminds me, too, because I was at my, my mom's house down in Griffin, Georgia, and she was doing, we are doing some upkeep stuff there, and and I was cleaning out her crawl space. Right. But my nephew was supposed to help me that day, and he didn't come out there, and something <laughs> came up. So you know of how that goes when did. you need somebody? Oh, yeah. You know how you filling up a, a, tra- a, tra- a trash dumpster? You know, yeah. you have a 30-footer in your yard. So you're yeah. almost doing like spring cleaning, you know what I
0: mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: All right, uh, so I'm working hard and I'm working sweating. And then my uncle comes by and he goes, man, now I see why they call you the hammer. Yeah, you you haven't stopped in the last three hours. <laughs> oh, man, you was getting it in, huh? I am well, like, well, that's one of the reasons they called me the hammer.
0: So once I start, <laughs> I can't stop, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's pretty cool, man. Well, I'm I'm glad you're doing good, man. Uh, obviously, I've known you for some years now when uh, we built a pretty cool relationship and uh, we can – laugh and joke about stuff, and we're both Georgia boys. Uh, Obviously, we we mentioned it earlier, you're a Griffin High School guy, and I remember when I was in high school playing against Griffin, I always thought you guys were on steroids. I thought you guys were always bigger (laughs) than everybody else. You know, coming out there with that that yellow on, I was like, these dudes are crazy. Talk about growing up in Georgia and obviously being one of the star players at Griffin High School, what Mm -hmm. it was like during that time for you.
2: You know what? I came through Griffin High in the um, in the early 80s. And, um, you know, in Griffin High, Griffin, Georgia is a small town, but have a, such a rich football tradition. Mm. You know, I don't know how many of your listeners know this, but Griffin have produced more NFL athletes than any high school in the state of Georgia. Stop
0: playing.
2: And, that's, and that and and that and that's saying a lot. I mean it really is mm. saying a lot. That's, that's hundreds Jesse, of high Jesse schools.
0: where you getting your facts from because I don't know about Angela, that now. I trust you... me man.
2: Look, just Google it, man. <laughs> All you gotta do is Google it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so when I came through, you know, I wasn't even thinking about ever, you know, thinking about playing in the NFL or nothing. I just wanted to be, you know, a kid that grew up on the dirt road, get an opportunity to play football and hopefully earn myself a scholarship to go to college and um and I, you know, I got pretty good at it. And that was day my wife, who was my high school girlfriend at that time, and she, um, her uncle was Rayfield Wright. You know, mm-hmm. Rayfield grew up right there in Griffin, Georgia.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, now he's a Hall of Famer, played with the Dallas Cowboys. And I remember the first time I met him, I was 18 years old, and I was like, "Wow, man, I just can't believe I met a pro football player." You know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah. I had no earthly idea. That one day that I would play uh, 14 years in the NFL, isn't that crazy?
0: Man, that's pretty. That's a that's a pretty cool story, man. And obviously, leaving high school, you were a guy who only had two Division II scholarship offers. Yep. Is that right?
2: Yeah, think about that. You know, because just think about the day and age now, how guys are looking for all the offers and they getting 20 and right 30 offers and all they D1 schools. I only had two: wow. was Boston State and West Georgia. And um, so when I came out, I said, West Georgia too close to my house, so I think I wanted to just go down south to Velocity. And Velocity and, and did. One thing I would say, I was Division II school, but they treated me like I was a – you remember that term, blue chipper? Yeah. You know, when you came oh, yeah. out, you probably was a blue chipper. And that <laughs> and uh, so they treated me like a Division II blue chipper. <laughs> <laughs> so, they had the, so they had my jersey out, and uh, they, they gave me the uh, you know, first-class treatment when I was down there. It was a new program, but I'll never forget – the head coach named Jim Goodman and he came up to me and said this to me and he said Jesse you know this program you come down to Boston State you got a chance to literally put your name in the record books mm. so if you will this, this football program has only been here for two years <laughs> <So> <laughs> this is the second year so whatever you do you do something great you're gonna put your name in the history books and it, and it literally you know I, I took I that as a challenge and said hey you know all the, the kind of program the football program was only in the second year when I got there okay and um, and so you don't have to not have to do too much to put your name in the uh, record book you know what I mean yeah, no doubt <laughs> so, a- ain't too many stats right? with two years in yeah, yeah. exactly right exactly <laughs> right so with that being said, I was a four year starter man and um and sure enough, you know, I was all time leading tackler down there for almost twenty years until until someone broke my tackling record.
0: <laughs> and, and, and I know that hurt your heart. I know that hurt your heart right there. Just I wanna go back and I want you to tell me about your mindset and mind frame from being a guy who obviously you thought you were pretty good to play major division one football. There are a lot of kids these days who <laughs> Are in that position? They're working their tail off every single year, and maybe they don't get the opportunity to play major Division One football. But you made the most out of it. Talk about going from high school to college and not getting that opportunity, but making the most of it. And the kind of things you had to mentally put yourself through to get to that spot.
2: You know what? That's a good question because um, you know every kid when it comes out and plays high school football want that D mm-hmm. like one offer. You know, you want the opportunity to play under the lights, you know, with a large crowd. Playing on TV on Saturdays, but you know, but um, unfortunately, you know, it don't happen for everybody. It didn't happen for me, but I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for nothing in the world because what what did happen? It gave me a chance to go to a university where I can develop my skill. You know, I was able to be a four year starter, mm-hmm. um, and then and not only that, just the friends I made um, along the way that we came in, and I got friends now that we came to Buffalo State when I was 18 years old. And then we all in our mid fifties, and we're, we're best, still best friends. Yeah. And, and 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 sometimes, and it's the smallest thing that you would never think that, that each and all of us will remember, because in Division Two at that time we didn't fly anywhere, and we would have twelve hour bus rides. Oh no, <laughs>
0: no, really? <laughs>
2: and then listen, it's you know nothing gets you closer than a long twelve hour <laughs> bus ride. So Man. we got to know each other very well. And to this day, we laugh, man. So can you believe we actually would play a game, get on the bus, and ride twelve hours to go back home? Wow! And uh, you know, cramping up on the bus ride, and it was, it was so crazy. And um, and and, I, and all of them looked up to me because I was like the one that you know made it from Division two to the mm-hmm. NFL.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, so, so I can remember one of my buddy asking me one time, so Jesse, what was it like, man, to finally play? In front of more than ten thousand people, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so that little thing you take for granted, you know, I know, you, know you're a former Georgia Bulldog and you play in front of ninety-five thousand, you know, all throughout the SEC, and you take you, know, you don't take it for granted. Cause I know you appreciate your your career you had, right. but at the same time, when you're when I'm a small guy that came from a uh, you know Division Two, Gulf South Conference, a player. And you see that many people there, and it just it just open it just blow your mind away. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's so much. So what I would tell young people is take advantage of any situation. It Doesn't matter where you get the opportunity to play Division Two, D1. Um, no matter what level you play, just be the best that you can possibly be. And be. You got the talent. The NFL will find you no matter where you play at. If they found me. They can find anybody. So that I think that's the. The life lesson learned on um, you know kids who dream big, um, and they want to do something special, but you know start off slow because not mm-hmm. how you start is where you finish. And, and I think that and that's a that's a big thing that I look forward to for as a as a young athlete move forward.
0: Well said, well said, man. I don't know if people know, but you you finished your college career with over 340 tackles, you were three time All Gulf South Conference selection, and then in 2007. You were inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you had some unbelievable stats in college, and yeah. mm-hmm. and then here comes the draft. Where did you think you would get drafted, and what was it like when you found out you didn't get drafted?
2: Okay, that's a good question as well. <laughs> You're right, because I put up, you know, I was, you know, I was a two-time old american Valser Steve State, and you know, the. You know, two-time, maybe three-time conference player. So I thought I did enough in college to get some recognition, of which we did have NFL scouts come down, walk through Boston State, and, um, you know, and they looked around. They didn't have pro day like they have it now. Right. So they would come and they'd just talk to the head coach and I can remember Mike Cavan, who was a former. He's a Georgia Bulldog. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mike Cavan knows oh, recruiting yeah. Herschel Walker. Every time I mention his name, I got to mention Herschel Walker's <laughs> name. <laughs> All right,
1: yeah. out of
2: Riceville, Georgia. All yeah. right, so so he came down there, and after he watched me play during the spring, and then I had um, Rusty Russell, who was Ert Russell, who played, who was another Georgia Bulldog that went to Georgia Southern. He was my. Uh, Rusty, uh, her son, and he was my linebacker coach and our defense coordinator, so Mike Kevin and him would talk about me all the time, and they will say, hey, man, you might be one of the most talented linebackers. We don't see on any level here in Georgia, right? Yeah. And they would say that, but when you're young and you're 18, 19 years old, you have no earthly idea how good you are. You know what I mean? Right. All right, so... Um, so he said, man, all you need is opportunity. And sure enough, I, you know, I thought maybe I would get an opportunity. But in 1987, when the draft came around, I was not drafted. And, and this, was, this was back when they had 12 rounds. Mm. And, um, and it wasn't drafted. But the, right after the draft, the Atlanta Falcons called me and said, hey, listen, Hey, we've been hearing a lot of good stuff about this this little short linebacker. But also, the guy told me first talked to
0: me. Jesse, Jesse the internet what? say five eleven, but what what really? How, how tall <laughs> are you?
2: <laughs> hey man, five eleven. I just when I, I'm just when I, you know when you got mostly just look shorter. <laughs> oh
0: man, just hold on. on. Right. I know you. So, I know you.
2: That is that is so funny. <laughs> so, I used to have uh, one of my uh, a good friend of mine who was my mentor, Joel Williams. You know, he played linebacker right. for the Falcons for years. Right, so he right. teased me all the time. <laughs> like, man, you so sure I can eat soup off the top of your head? <laughs> uh. so, so I had a lot of short jokes coming in, man. But oh, it, it was all in good fun because it just motivated me even more. And, and the funny thing, so we come out in 1987, I think he drafted. And then Mike Cavan happened to know um, the Falcons head coach, right? Mm-hmm. And then so they talked, man, and Swan Fox was no, his nickname. Coach Campbell. Uh mm-hmm. Swan Fox had uh, you know, talked to Mike Cabin and Mike Cabin, and and I, you know how years and years go by and then all of a sudden you had a banquet with somebody and they tell you the exact thing that happened the day you came on the team. Wow. So um, mm-hmm. so at this particular time Mike Cabin and um Coach Campbell said I talked to to Jesse, I when when your coach first called me and he said that, Hey man, I got a little short linebacker down here that he's so tough that if you ask him to run through that brick wall, he'll show sure enough to run through it. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like that. So when you hear that little stuff like that, we're like, we gotta get a shot. Right. And and that's how my opportunity came, man. So my man thing I tell young linebackers and in particular is just, man, just play hard as you possibly can because you never know who's watching. Mm-hmm. Now all I, all I take that one out mm-hmm. and say my Mike Evans bleeding in me, then goes Camble bleed in me. Bleed in me they gave me an opportunity, and then um and then from that point man you just make the most of it.
0: You get drafted? Well, you, you don't get drafted. It's twelve rounds. I bet you like come on. <laughs> I can get drafted in on, one man. of these come rounds, on, like twelve. <laughs> my bad. I ain't gonna rub it. In. My bad. My bad. My bad. Yeah, no, no. I, no. You I was so, a,
2: but, but hey, listen to this right here. These listen, man. This is the funny thing ever too. when you're looking back, you sort of seem to remember a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And this was back in the day when they would bring like a 120 guys to camp. Oh. All right. So we had enough for four full teams. I was, I was. So just
0: so just so people know,
2: there was 15 linebackers. Oh, I was the last oh. one. There was the 15th one. You were the 15th we linebacker. Oh, wow. Yeah, listen, man. We had enough to run four full teams, and I listen. And I, I was on that fourth team. I was outside wow. linebacker, so I was on a depth chart so low it was unbelievable.
0: And, what's, and what people don't—I <laughs> don't think people understand—is right now you look at the NFL when teams go to camp, they have ninety guys. You guys had a yeah. hundred and twenty, and you would the fifteenth linebacker yes, on right. that team.
2: Hey, hey, look, and and for the, your fan base, they got to know that. The way practice practices now, you know, the non-contact, and you have the short limited time at practice, is that we used to go to training camp, and we'll be in training camp, say, three to four weeks before this preseason game started. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, it used to be a long tour a day And
0: hey, y'all probably and going pads every, <laughs> every day.
2: It was Every day. It was the most brutal time. If I think about football, that's the most brutal time ever at the NFL training camp. Uh-huh. It was unbelievable. And uh, so we get there, man. And, and you know it's so humid and hot here. So when people, oh, yeah. when t- guys would come in from a different part of the country that would get drafted, they cannot take the heat. It's <laughs> too humid, yeah. and they, you know you had no yeah. break. So yeah. we had guys passing out, cramping up, doing this, and they were saying one would pass out and cramp up. Guess what happened, DJ? Moving on I moved up. Moved up one spot. <laughs> nice. I moved up another spot. So, I so is that
0: up. is that how you start to get more playing time? Is the guys around you Injuries. just start getting hurt?
2: Yes. Hey, listen, listen, that's, 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 man. That is the honest God truth. And wow. I, I was sitting there, and so guys getting injured, guys getting hurt, guys getting practice. And I just kept moving up, moving up, moving up. And then uh, after three weeks of uh, 2 of days now the first preseason game started. Guess who was starting in the first preseason game? Out of all 12 draft picks, I was the only rookie starting in the first preseason game. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't even drafted.
0: And hey, you was a 15-linebacker, but you started.
2: That's right. Wow. <laughs> you're, talking about, you're talking about taking advantage of an opportunity. So when it presented itself, man, I took advantage of it and ran with it, man, and tried to and tried to you know just go out there and let my natural ability just take over and um and people found out that um that I was a good hitter and a hard hitter, and you asked me to all try my best to run through anything in front of me, <laughs> man, you know what that's a
0: that, that's that's a great story though man 'cause i i I said it earlier there's so many kids who are on the high school level who maybe are in rec ball or even on the college level who mm-hmm aren't as big, maybe not as fast, but like mm-hmm. you just mentioned, work your tail off and things can go your way and you never know what happened. You know, I want to ask you, I don't know if I ever asked you this, but I'm sure mm-hmm. people would love to know where does the name The Hammer come from? Who gave it to you? <laughs> where did it come about? Like, where did the name Hammer come from?
2: Uh, 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 Alright, <clears throat> okay, that wasn't my first first nickname. Okay, it was my rookie year. We were in training camp and we used to invite teams to come practice with us so i think probably the fourth or fifth week probably during the second preseason game we was playing the miami dolphins they came in so they spent a week with us in swanee mm-hmm. and john rady john rady was his number linebacker to play for the falcons he gave me a first nickname he used to call me said, oh man dang, you throwing guys around like ragdolls I not I calling you ragdolls <laughs> okay. so ragdoll didn't stick to me though it did stick all right so <laughs> okay and I didn't like that name too much either way. Okay, but I was—I was like it's extremely strong for my size, and and um, you know I was a five hundred pound bench presser and all that kind of stuff. All right, so so we started training camp, man, and now we are in our sixth week of training camp, which is unheard of this day when you say six weeks. Dudes, okay? dudes so, is quitting right now with six weeks. <laughs> ain't happy. You ain't lying. And man, so we are in the preseason game. And I'm hitting some guys hard. They said, man, dog, no, dude. You a hammer like that? I don't forget. I don't forget who gave me that nickname. <laughs> and from that point on, man, after that, my first rookie year, at probably the third or fourth preseason game, they started calling me Hammer. And then just been hitting people, hitting people, and um, and that and just kept and year in year out. It just stuck with me, man. And it's it so crazy that um. That, that was a pretty cool nickname there, you know, because yeah, yeah. I, that's the only thing I knew when I was in high school, the only thing I knew how to do was hit people. And when I went to college, man, I, I used to just run through people all the time. So when I got to <laughs> the NFL, I didn't think it was no different, you know what I mean? Yeah, so
1: right.
2: I, I was just running, running through people and just hitting them as hard as I could. And um, so it, it stuck to me. And um, And lucky enough, man, you know, Sometimes I took the end in a lot of them hits, but I would never
0: let the fans <laughs> know it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think people know your rookie year, you had eight starts, but you you still had 108 tackles. And from, 80, I know. <laughs> and from 89 to 93, when I saw this, I couldn't believe it. You had 969 tackles during that period. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know what? I always wanted to get into the mind of a linebacker, and I wanted mm-hmm. to know kind of what are the things you look at pre-snap, post-snap, during-snap, that make you so good? I mean, obviously, to be able to find the football the way you did, you had to have some kind of just great unearthed nature where you know where the football is going and where it's at. How much time did you put into your preparation? And then also, how much was right. that with just pure instincts in the ball during the game?
2: You know what? You made a good point. I put a lot of time doing preparation. And a lot of it happened natural for me for instincts. You know what I mean? Well, I, you, I always tell young players, learn the technique, get the technique down, mm-hmm. get the technique down. So now when you play, you never have to think about the technique; it come natural to you now. You know what I
1: mean? Mm-hmm. So
2: because if you can't how think and play at the same time, you have to be more natural. So and I was and I had had very good instincts. So I used to watch a lot of tapes and I used to watch, 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 and I try to pick up the smallest thing, you know, what the guard doing, what the center doing, what the running right back, the running right back looking at me, is that center looking at me, is the guard got a lot of pressure on his fingers. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that little little detail stuff, man, mm-hmm. so you can try to get that edge, you know, that competitive edge, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right, so I can remember probably my fourth or fifth year in the league and we was out in San Francisco and I would make a ton of plays mm-hmm. up there. And um I can't remember the I don't know what Hanks one of the defensive back after the game. He said, Man, you know what? I sit and I look at you while we playing and wonder how fast, how quick that little short linebacker can get to the ball. Mm-hmm. He said, Well, what is it? It's like you get to the ball faster in the linebacker I've seen before. <laughs> you go, What is it? Then, I didn't think much about that. Then we then later on in throughout the year I'll get the line backwards the humpback would ask me, always ask me after the game. Hey man, I know she's on tape and I'd be watching you live. How do you recognize the ball so fast? Right. You know, you know, back in the day when they ran two backs, most teams ran the twelve, the twenty one personnel. Right. Okay, we did a lot of you know a lot of um, traps and counters and sweeps and all you I know all the different two backs running schemes. Right. And I and actually I always watch the guards. Watch so at the guard, look at the center and try to get a hint of what's going on. And, and I used to have so many reads, man. So by the time I was the guy who going to block me, my, my goal was first of all, beat the guy who assigned who, uh, to block me. Okay. Once I beat him, it, I'm off and running through the ball there because no one's accounted yeah. for me, you know what I So right, right. I always try to find out who was blocking me on every play. Nice. So all I do is beat that guy there. And then I know for a fact I'm, I'm about to run through somebody after that. Man. <laughs> a, a, a quick story. Well, Later, later in the year, we know we draft Bob Whitfield. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know Whitfield had a long career with the Falcons. Yep. But I remember him first and second year in the league. He said, <laughs> "That way, was still running the county. You know, Whitfield, probably 6'8". You know big Whitfield A huge guy. He used to look at me, man, and I always tease him. And, you know, I hope Bob listens to this podcast because he, <laughs> he only had one good eye. You know <laughs> <laughs> <All right? laughs> So, when I would see that... We're going to send the Bob. We're going to make
0: teams. sure Bob hit it.
2: Absolutely, when I see that good eye roll toward me. looking at me. I'm okay. take on the counter right now because a bob is assigned to block me, and I'm gonna look like I'm gonna act like I don't know he's gonna block me. Right, and then at the last minute, I'm gonna jack him so hard. You know, you, when you think the so slow, I don't. And then all of a sudden, coming up and everybody and to everybody, particularly short linebackers. Hey, man, we short. But you know the biggest thing about it, though. This whole, the whole time you've been playing. High school football, college football, pro football—you know that low, the lowest man wins. The game is about leverage. So mm-hmm. we already built low, and I just squat down low so hard and come out of my out of my thighs and legs and hit Bob so hard. <laughs> 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 and he's where the coach was giving me the play. <laughs> he goes, man, man i man, coach telling you to play, man. He's telling you, but we do 907. He's a man, I don't care what you say. There's no way you can read them plays that fast. Right. So I guess the more to that story is like preparation. Right. You, know, you, you know, you can make it to the league. If you play high school and college ball, obviously you got some instincts. Now all you have to do now is just prepare yourself. You know, this that little, damn The extra P.M. work, man, just looking, looking, looking. You know, different than being a quarterback or or offensive player because you know you guys at a point where we react to you. And, um, yeah, because so we're just, we just, we just smarter than
0: we, defensive guys. That's just how it goes, Okay, y'all, I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> i
2: give you a little credit advice <laughs> right here. See the quarterback? <laughs> you what, no, I always the quarterback. Y'all had to learn a lot of stuff now, no doubt. <laughs> but I ain't going to use that word, smarter than you <laughs> <though. laughs>
0: <laughs> You ain't going to go with that one. But,
2: but i but I'll tell you what, it is complicated. You know, just for all your listeners out there, though, I think the biggest misconception about professional football is that they think we all blessed with talent. We all got these special skills and special bodies,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but they don't understand the mental preparation that goes into every position because it's so much little detail that you can't see on TV, or you really don't. If you really ain't around it much, you don't understand how much film we have to watch just to pick up something little. Because you know it more than just catch, run, and tackle. Right? right? It's a lot of it's a lot goes into it. But that's what made football so great, though. Yeah. And another another thing I think what makes it, it's the world one the world best game, if not the best game in the world, is because man, it, it's a game. It's a team sport. You know, sure. it's a, it's such a team sport. You know, you're only as strong as the weakest link. Sure. And and not one one person that gonna win or lose a game for you. You know what I mean? So I, I, guess gotcha. I call it the I call it the ultimate team sport. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Appreciate my man Jesse Tuggle sitting down with us, and please stay with us. We got another episode next week with Jesse Tuggle, where he's going to talk a little bit more on the back end of what he's doing now, and about his guys, his kids as well. But we appreciate you joining us. Remember, continue to subscribe, continue to share. We appreciate all the feedback we've been getting, but we thank you for joining us. This has been the Triple Threat Podcast. I'm DJ Shocker with my man, Scotty D. We'll see you next week. Deuces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.